welcome back to another episode of Pour Me Another. This is your host, John. And uh, hello. Um, I'm, I'm back into my normal rotation. Um, the last episode that would have been in the normal rotation would have been an entertainment episode. So I don't want to jippy on that. So that's what we're doing. Uh, I'm, I'm going to do the entertainment episode. And uh, this week, I'm going to be talking about uh, a video game and then a television show. Now, um, last episode was very intense and emotional, uh, especially for me. And it was about a really dear friend that I had lost, and I am still recovering from that loss. But, uh, you know, slowly but surely, I'm dragging my ass off of um, the couch, even though I don't have a couch. I just have a bed, like a studio apartment set up, so I don't really have a couch. But I'm getting myself back together, and I'm moving again, and uh, participating in my activities, hobbies, that kind of thing, um, being a little more social. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm as I'm pulling myself back together from the difficult weeks that lie behind me, uh, I'm back in the swing of doing the podcast. And so this episode is the Entertainment Podcast. Um, I wanted to say thank you all to everyone that listened to the last episode. It was difficult. It was emotional. It was intense. It was kind of not fun to put together, but it was something that I felt I needed to do that my friend would have wanted me to do. So that's what that was about. Thank you for listening. If you didn't, that's okay, too. It's not exactly everybody's cup of tea to listen to someone talk about a friend that has passed. Anyway, this episode is going to be the entertainment episode that I skipped the last go around. And the name of the show is Pour Me Another. And today I am drinking, as usual, my favorite bourbon on the rocks. Mmm. That's delicious. Oh. Excuse me. No. That tasted like bourbon. All right. So, this week's episode I'm talking about a video game. I'm talking about a TV show. The video game that I'm talking about is called War Thunder. War Thunder. It's one of my favorite video games. I've been playing it for a really long time. The TV show today is Stranger Things. It's one of my favorite TV shows. Okay, so. War Thunder. What in the fuck is War Thunder? Not a lot of people are familiar with the name brand. Um, it's not one of those names that I say and then everybody just like gets it. You know, it's not Halo. It's not Call of Duty. War Thunder is a different kind of video game. So I've been playing for about six years since it first came out in 2013. And it is a free-to-play video game. Now the video games, the economy of video games, it's gone through a lot of changes over the last 10 years. The the like advent of real high-speed internet as a regular everyday thing kind of changed how people play video games. Multiplayer became a big deal. Uh... In the, let's see, it probably was the late 90s was really when MMOs became a thing. MMO stands for Massively Multiplayer Online. And so, they, MMOs really began, oh shit, probably the late 90s. And they grew in popularity until it was around, I noticed that even by like 2010, Tons and tons of people were playing MMOs. Massively multiplayer online. And so what you're talking about is you're playing a video game where there are, I don't know, as many as like 64 people in one lobby, maybe hundreds of people in one lobby, and you're all playing to sort of grind. 
grinding is the act of making your character or your account more valuable and and more developed. So you're like playing the game to level up your mage <laughs> or uh, in the case of War Thunder, unlock the entire American tech tree. You know, you're grinding through this experience with other people to become more powerful, have more stuff available to you. And MMOs often exist um, in in worlds that are very science fiction fantasy. So, like, the biggest MMO that everybody's probably ever heard of is called World of Warcraft, right? And Warcraft, World of Warcraft is a massively multiplayer online RPG role-playing game. And, and the idea behind that is you create a character and then you, like, romp around in the universe of Warcraft. I think the land is called Azeroth. And you... You build your character up. You go out and you you know like you fight things and complete quests and go on raids with other people and you know that's that's what World of Warcraft is about. Well, War Thunder is not in a science fiction, not in a fantasy world, although there are some elements that might be considered science fiction. Um, War Thunder is based in military history, and so what it is. It's uh, it's basically a combat simulation, and there are three technical branches now. Four, four technical branches now. Initially, there was only one. It started out, all you could do was fly airplanes, and uh, you had access to. I think in the beginning, you had access to like five different countries, and it was like United States, United Kingdom, France. Uh, Germany, and Russia, I think. And so what you did was you started out in like the 1920s flying biplanes, and the tech tree, for every nation, there's a tech tree. And on the tech tree, the bottom of the tech tree is early model airplanes from like the biplane age of warfare. And they're historically accurate. So like... On the Russian tech tree, you've got the I-15s, you know, an older, shittier biplane thing. <laughs> On the in the, the the German tech tree, you've got the Heinkel 51. It's like one of the, the the beginning stages of the thing. And then as you progress through the tech tree, through gameplay, you unlock more airplanes more advanced later stage airplanes that are all historically accurate. And, and of course, because I'm a, a screaming Eagle, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Mark compatriot. My favorite tech tree is the American tech tree. Uh, it just, it, it has a really, really robust catalog of fighters and bombers to unlock. And so, you know, you start out with the little pea shooter Curtis airplanes. And then like, you know, you, you're working your way through, the early World War II airplanes, and then the later World War II airplanes, and you can you can get some really crazy stuff going on. They 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 have um, bombers. You can unlock bombers. You can unlock fighters. You can unlock naval aircraft. Uh, you know, so the aircraft thing was what got me sucked into War Thunder. Okay, they you were you were flying airplanes in combat against other people, right? And so not only are there multiple tech trees for multiple nations there's different ways to play it you can play in air realistic battles well let's start at the bottom the easiest one is air arcade battles 
right? And so air arcade battles, your airplane performs at a much higher rate than it would have in reality. So it turns a lot faster. It's a lot faster in general. It, you know, the guns might be a little bit more powerful and it's, it's arcadey, you know, that's what they call it. Arcade battles. The next step up is air realistic battles. And so it, that's a bit more realistic. Your, your airplane performance specifications are going to more closely match the actual plane from, you know, world war two or the cold war era or whatever. And damage models are much more, um, intense you know you're going to rip people apart a lot faster uh you you have to worry about things like fuel constraints and you know you can if you turn too tightly in some aircraft at high speed you can shred off a wing and uh you know it it gets to be it, it starts to utilize game physics models that are more concurrent with what you might have expected in the aircraft and then the the the, the peak tier of War Thunder aviation is the air sim battles, which is where I've been lately. Okay, and I'll get into that more. I'll get into that more a little bit later. But I just want to explain, there's there's different ways to play the game. Okay, there's arcade, there's realistic, and then there's simulator. Now, initially it started out with, like I said, the five nations, okay, and just aircraft. But as War Thunder grew, and it was a free-to-play, like I said, it's a free-to-play model, and it started to grow, and how it grows is free-to-play video games have microtransactions, which is completely fair. They're supposed to. You, you can go into the game and pay money for things to either make you better or, or provide you access to better vehicles. In this instance, with War Thunder, it would be vehicles uh, but, you know, at a faster rate so that you're better performing, okay? Mm. Oh, my God, I'm dying. Oh, excuse me, that's awful. That went that went down rough. Okay. Now, in, in most free-to-play games, you have, you can purchase with money one of two things. You can get a premium pack which in War Thunder's case would include a premium vehicle uh, along with premium currency and, you know, uh, a premium subscription for a while. Because most free-to-play games have that. They have premium subscriptions. And so, like, a normal free-to-play subscription, you can play through the whole thing for free. You can do that. That's available to you. That's the way the free, free-to-play games work. It's just extremely inefficient. Because your progress rate against other players and to unlock all of the vehicles or equipment or character traits or whatever, it's going to go much slower. But it is possible. Under When you, when you sign up for a premium account on a free-to-play game, you will get boosts for your experience points gained and for your currency obtained. War Thunder follows this... Uh, this, this um, What's the word I'm looking for? This uh, equation to the letter. It follows this perfectly. So, so the way War Thunder works is you have experience points. You get experience points by playing the video game. The better you do, the more kills you get, the more experience points you get. Okay? Then there is a standard currency called Silver Lions. And, you know, it, it runs identically with uh, the fucking experience points the 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 better you play the more kills you get the better you do the more silver lions you acquire okay and so to unlock new vehicles 
you have to research them through gameplay, right? And you can only research one vehicle at a time. So like when you go into a battle, all the XP that you've you've gotten will only go towards the one vehicle that you're researching. The silver lines that you acquire can be used to upgrade vehicles you're playing with or unlock these new vehicles that you've researched. I know it's really fucking complicated. The point is there's XP experience points that researches vehicles. Silver Lions purchase the vehicles. But the caveat to all that is the premium currency. And this is what you'll see in every single free-to-play game. There is a premium currency. And it'll always be something fucking stupid. Like blue diamonds or fucking golden eagles in the case of war thunder or silver nutsacks in the fucking case of whatever so in 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 war thunder the premium currency is golden eagles and golden eagles cost money and you you use the golden eagles to unlock things faster to you know sign up for a premium count which boosts your xp and silver line gains you can use uh, golden eagles to buy what's called a talisman, which would give uh, a normal vehicle an XP and and silver lines boost. You know, it makes it a makes it a better vehicle in terms of what you're getting out of it when you use it. You can buy premium packs with golden eagles, which are like a premium vehicle in War Thunder has like double XP and double silver lions acquisition during the game. Okay, so. But, but, uh, this is getting really complicated. I know. I'm you're like silver lions, golden eagles. Like which fucking one is it? Well, just listen. The point of the fucking stupid currencies is to make you pay money. It's to, it's it's built to kind of frustrate you into spending money on the game, so that the 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 company can fucking you know thrive and do more for the game. Now I don't have a I don't really have a problem with this business model, because you know you can't you can't just have a video game for free. You know, it's, it doesn't work that way. So I've supported the game. I've been playing it for six years. I've bought premium aircraft. I've paid for, you know, the premium account sometimes. I've, I've bought some packs, you know, for, for things. What's really interesting about War Thunder is how it's evolved as a video game. You know, all that, all that economy, free-to-play, premium currency shit aside, what's really interesting about the game is how it's evolved. And so it went from just being airplanes you're flying these fucking historical airplanes in air combat against each other, uh, other people. They they then years into it, I think might have been 15 or 16, might have been 14, 2014. Anyway, they added tanks. So a whole nother avenue to play the game exists and that's in tanks. And they are also historically accurate. And now with the tanks comes a completely different style of gameplay. You're on the ground, you're in a tank. It it too has arcade realistic battles in simulator mode. And, you know, those are increasing in intensity and 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 difficulty as you play them. What's really crazy about the tanks is is how historically accurate they've made the vehicles. And and how important it is to understand the mechanics of which ammunition to use to penetrate certain vehicles. Where to hit the tank? Do I shoot it in the front? Do I shoot it in the side? If I shoot it in the front, do I aim for the manhole? Do I aim for the machine gun port? Like, what do I shoot at? And you have to know all of this specific information for, like, fucking 500 tanks throughout. Now, it started with, like, five countries. I think now there's, like, seven, eight. There's more nations. 
there's more vehicles. And the game has been in existence so long that, that every every update they add just so many new vehicles. It's ridiculous. The Italians now have a shitload of vehicles. The French have a lot more. The British have a bunch more. The Americans are just... There's so many Americans. The two biggest nations in the game are the U.S. and Russia. And the reason it's the U.S. and Russia is because, A, the United States is probably their largest subscribers, and B, Russia... Because the game is Russian made, it's made by a company called Gaijin, and that's a it's a they're a Russian video game maker, and and War Thunder is their cash cow. And so, the Soviet, the Russian tech tree, is enormous, for, for both the tanks and the aircraft. Now later on down the line, they added helicopters to the game. Helicopters can pull close air support for the tanks. They're really, really powerful. They have, you know, air-to-ground missiles that you can fire and blow up tanks with. And then they added also a, a totally separate thing is air, is naval battles. Now there's ships, big, huge naval battles where you're, you know, there's like that video game, what's it called, World of Warships? Well, it's kind of like that. You're, 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 you're basically, you know, driving these boats, and, you, and they get big, man. They get up to like cruiser-sized vessels. And they're cruising around in you know, huge naval battles, you know, against other people. So now there's there's aviation. You can fly airplanes. There's tanks. You can drive the tanks on the ground. And then there's naval va- naval battles where you you operate uh, a navy ship in you know water. And so what's also interesting is that um, aircraft make appearances in all of those battles. So like if you're if you're in a tank battle. If you do well enough, you can pull one of your airplanes and go fly combat air support and drop bombs and fire rockets and stuff. That's how you're able to use helicopters um, in armor battles for close air support. So it gets really it gets really intense. You'll be like driving around on the battlefield in your tank and you'll see people fucking buzzing the field real low, dropping bombs on, on enemy players or even friendly. You'll get bombed. You'll get fucking blown. It's so frustrating too sometimes because you'll be like tooting along in your tank and you're, you're looking for fucking panzers and instead out of nowhere this dickhead in an Arado 234 drops a bomb right on top of you. And what's really funny is you can like you control people. You can because tanks are not very fast, right? In the older years, especially the you're fucking cruising along your old turd tank. You're just like boop, 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 boop. you're looking for an enemy, and then fucking an airplane flies over, and you can set the fuses on those bombs that you drop to not just like immediately go off. So a bomb like lands right in front of you, and it sits there for a couple seconds, and you're like fucking womp womp, and then that shit explodes and blows you off the map, and it's super frustrating. But you can do that to people. So you know, like, your bomb fell, they saw it, they had to sit there and look at it as they tried to get away from it, and then it blows their shit apart. It's hilarious. But anyway, uh, the, the, the Ameri- so, so in airplanes, they started out with the biplanes, and they've gone up through, like, the, 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 they're into jets now. They're into supersonic jets. And they're just starting to do supersonic jets. So, like, the, the highest level American fighter is the F-100 Super Sabre. And the highest Russian fighter is the MiG-19S. Um, the Japanese have the Mitsubishi T2, which is the best jet in the game right now. It's so fucking obnoxious. But with that also comes the advent of air-to-air missiles. So they've, you know, the game was just pure gunfighting with aircraft for the longest time. War Thunder, it was always, you were just you were dogfighting with guns, trying to get in close and get a gun kill. Well, they added missiles now. 
And they're the only missiles that are available are infrared heat seekers for for all aircraft across the boards. You have infrared heat seekers, and it's fucking awesome. I mean, it's incredibly fun. And so, I have. I don't know if I've ever mentioned this on the show before. I might have. I have virtual reality. I have a really good virtual reality system. I I I I told you previously that I like to build and keep a gaming rig, PC computer, and. F- fuck man it's expensive but when you, you've probably heard of the oculus rift that was the big one that first came out when the oculus rift was in development back in like 2013 2012 when i read about it i got so excited i was like holy fucking shit virtual reality is making a comeback this is incredible i gotta get in on this and so i i started reading about it and following it and i, I just wanted to know more well what i read was that the the Oculus Rift was the like the main virtual reality headset that everybody was going to be playing with but there was a competitor and it was called the HTC Vive made by HTC the same company that makes cell phones Vive V I V E and so the more that i read the more that what i came to understand was that the HTC Vive was really the way to go because it had what's called room scale technology. So for those of you who don't know much about virtual reality, there's VR where you can like sit down and you're in the little headset and it, it, you know, it like the virtual reality that you would use in your cell phone. You can pop into that thing you've seen it. Samsung makes one. You pop your, your phone into the virtual reality headset and then that becomes your VR screen. And you know, that that's mostly seated. There isn't a lot of room scale stuff with that. Um, you can also, you know, fly flight simulators, which is what I'm about to talk about with uh, the Oculus Rift. But initially, the Oculus Rift was just seated, normal virtual reality, where you're sitting in front of your computer and your headset is tracking your head movements, and that's it. HTC Vive has room scale virtual reality, to where you're literally standing up in like a three by me- three meter square, three by three meter square, and you've got two controllers, and those become your hands. And so then you can use these hands to manipulate your environment. There's all kinds of crazy games. The best ones are the shooters. I fucking love them. And it's it's become incredible. Oh, man, there's this video game called Beat Saber. Holy shit, you guys got to try Beat Saber. It's so cool. It's like uh it's like uh Dance Dance Revolution except you're using your you're using lightsabers to schwack the boxes in tune with the music. It's amazing. Anyway, I bought an HTC Vive with my gaming computer to go with my gaming computer because I wanted to try virtual reality and it is truly no joke a mind-blowing life-changing experience it is the next level of entertainment uh it will it will become extremely mainstream when it becomes more affordable and as technology gets better and screens get clearer and tracking becomes more advanced it will get crazy you know that movie um ready player 1 not that fucking far-fetched. 20 years from now, totally plausible. I, I, I 100% believe that that is, that is an entirely possible scenario, that everybody will have their head in a virtual reality world. Totally makes sense. I mean, it's already super fucking fascinating and fun, the shit that I can do in, in room-scale VR. But we are talking about War Thunder. War Thunder was one of the first video games I became aware of where you could fly fighter jets and fighter planes in virtual reality and to me that is a fucking dream come true and so of course you know another reason for me to have the vr stuff so i have a hands-on stick and throttle right which is like basically a joystick and a throttle 
and you put on you get into War Thunder, you put on the HTC Vive headset, and then you fly and dogfight in virtual reality. And it is a fucking ridiculous, mind-blowing, super nerd 3000 experience that I adore. I fucking love doing it. It is so much fun because in virtual reality, War Thunder creates a cockpit around you that is historically accurate. It looks the way that it's supposed to. And uh, it's mind-blowing. You take off in this thing, you go up in the sky, and because of the current constraints of VR technology, they kind of they kind of make enemy airplanes these like big black dots you can see, but you can't identify them until you get close enough to know what they are. Oh, God. Here comes a burp. I'm going to pause it so you don't have to listen to this one. And I'm back. Yeah, okay, so they, they, they make the enemy aircraft these big black dots. Uh, all right, for those of you who haven't played in virtual reality, who haven't used a VR system on your head yet, oh, God, that bourbon's coming back to fight me. Uh, for those of you who haven't used it, it, you put the thing on, and there's two eyepieces, and you're looking through it, and, and it's what it's basically doing is it's magnifying uh, and encompass, encompassing your eyes with a a screen that's about as big as a cell phone screen. Now, the thing about screens that small is that they're pixelated. They use, you know, tiny little pixels to uh, create the image. Well, because those pixels are, 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 are somewhat big when magnified by the lenses of the VR headset, it creates what they call a screen door effect. It's like you're looking at that world through a very, very thin veil of a screen door. Or even like satin, like if you were looking through satin, but it's stretched out. You have to see it to know what I'm talking about. But the screen door effect distorts the image a little bit, um, especially when you're looking at things that are supposedly, you know, distant. So like you see this little black dot, but it's kind of fuzzy. You know, the image of virtual reality as it is today isn't perfectly crystal clear, although they are getting better at this. It's not perfectly crystal clear. It's a little fuzzy. It's got a little bit of a screen door thing going on. But when you're in the thick of the action, when you're playing the game, you don't really notice it. You know what I mean? But so with War Thunder, how they get around that is they the, the planes in virtual reality, when you're flying, you're looking around your cockpit, you're looking around the sky, looking for enemy fighters, and you're, you know, you're looking for these black dots. And so you, you see the black dots, and then you turn to engage. And, and there's no information for you to know what kind of plane that is. There's nothing, there's no like, you know, little pipper on it that says, this is a MiG-19. You have to fly up to it, identify it, and then engage it if it's an enemy. And and you you begin to understand pretty quickly like what behaviors to look for in fighter activity, the little black dots, like what's the black dot doing to be able to discern it from an art of an AI airplane, a friendly airplane, and an enemy airplane. So it's really not that hard to figure it out once you've played it a while. But what's really fucking crazy is being in virtual reality with my hands on an actual stick and throttle. And like I get into a dogfight with a fighter jet that's another person who's also in virtual reality flying his dog his his fighter jet or whatever. And we're rolling around on each other in like, you know, rolling scissors or whatever, trying to get the advantage on one another and get off a gunshot to rip the other person's tail off. And 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 let me tell you something. The first time I got into an F-86, because the F-86 Sabre jet is available in the game. I unlocked it. The first time I flew an F-86 in virtual reality and shot down a MiG-15, which is a historically accurate battle, that would have taken place over the skies in Korea. 
was like a fucking video game religious experience because I actually knew what I was doing. Like I got into a, a turn fight with the enemy MIG. It was another player. And I achieved the advantage through the use of the judicious application of flaps, air brakes, and throttle. I got behind this guy. I fired off a really sweet burst of 50 caliber machine guns, and I blew that motherfucker into shit. It was amazing. It felt so good because my knowledge of aviation, my all my studies of, of, of how to win in a dogfight, reading and watching YouTube videos just because I found it interesting, it paid off. I knew what to do. I knew how to get behind him. I knew how he was going to sweep in front of my cockpit. I had to time my gunshot just perfectly to blow his shit to pieces. And I did. And when I did it, it was, it was like fucking, it was like all those, all the money I'd spent on the PC, all the money I'd spent on War Thunder getting, grinding up to that level, the money I'd spent on the HTC Vive, the money I'd spent, well, actually, my joystick and throttle were a gift from my mother <laughs> for, for Christmas one year. She got me my stick. So thanks mom. <laughs> 32 year old man, grown ass motherfucker thanking his mom for a joystick on a podcast. This is so 2019 millennial. Anyway, all of that was worth that moment of when I in virtual reality blew away another dude who was flying a MiG 15. Okay. Beyond that was recently I had another milestone in war thunder where i i unlocked the f100d that's some, the top tier american fighter currently available in the video game called war thunder and it is uh it was a cold war era fighter it's supersonic it's got afterburners it's the first american afterburning uh, jet in the game and uh it's got fucking sidewinder missiles and so for those of you who don't know that much about aviation sidewinder missiles were the first like really common infrared heat seeking missiles air to air missiles used by the american military air to air meaning it's fired from an airplane meant to blow up another airplane and so if if you if you start out when you start out in any airplane in war thunder it comes base model bare bones there aren't any upgrades there aren't any performance boosts no, no weapons besides machine guns are available and you have to fly that fucking thing and grind it and unlock the the better weapons and so on the f100d you have access to early on the aim 9b the aim 9 sidewinder b missile and then later on the aim 9e sidewinder missile and so you know that's just a better version of the sidewinder and and it's a heat seeking missile and so what you do is i'm in virtual reality I can't believe I'm talking about this right now. I'm in virtual reality and I'm I'm sitting in a virtual cockpit of an F100 Super Saber that is historically accurate, looks like it should. And I'm flying along and I see a plane. And I was like, what that what the, what's that fucking thing? I want to know what that is. So I cruise up to it cuz I'm so fast, I can cruise up just about anything. Cruise up to it, do a swoop on it from from above. I look down, I notice it's a Russian IL-28 bomber. Okay, that's a jet bomber with a huge cannon on the back to protect its ass from enemy fighters. So I know I don't want to engage him with guns up close because he has a really good chance of blowing me away with those cannons on the rear. So instead what I do is I pull back. He doesn't even know I'm there. And this is what's really interesting about virtual reality combat fighting in, in air combat and War Thunder. You have to maintain constant situational awareness. If you don't, they're going to shoot your fucking ass out of the sky. Uh, you won't see fighters behind you. That's a place you, you have to constantly check your six. And so this guy wasn't checking his six, didn't know that I was there. And so I flew up behind him. I was probably, I don't know, a mile back, maybe a little bit more. And you have to heat up your missile. You have to turn on the seeker. And so you turn it on with a button press. 
the seeker turns on, and then you hear the tone. And then when you get a heat lock, an infrared lock on the, the heat signature of the jet, it goes, and so then you fire the missile. And so I did, in virtual reality. I fucking heated up my, my, my sidewinder, got a tone, and then I fucking I fired the missile, and I watched it come off the rail, and it tracked out, and it went right up the ass of this fucking IL-28 and blew that dude to shit. And it was the fucking coolest thing I've ever done in a video game. Hands down, bar none, the coolest fucking thing I've ever done in a video game is shoot down a Russian bomber with an infrared missile off the rails of an F-100 Super Saber in virtual reality. Holy fuck. And War Thunder gave that to me. So that's why I love War Thunder. It is, it is an incredibly complex, technically deep, strategic mind-blowing video game with an enormous amount of content, an enormous number of vehicles for you to grind through. It is super fucking frustrating. It takes forever to get anything done. But for me, the experience of flying an F-100, an F-86, a P-51, a P-38 in virtual reality and shooting fucking people out of the sky purely because I know how to do that from all of my years of reading and research and now experience of, of doing it in virtual reality and knowing how simple it is or how hard it is, that that to me was worth all of the effort that I ever put into War Thunder. It's a super fun game. You should definitely give it a look. Um, if you're if you're into video games, you know it's it's a lot of fun. If, if you're into history and aviation and video games, holy shit, it's right up your alley. The tank battles are super deep and super intense, and you have to really know your shit. Tanks go from like that World War One, early World War Two era up through modern age. So like the modern, the biggest, the best American tank currently is the M1 A1 Abrams tank. And the best Russian is the T-80B, I think. And, you know, like all the other nations have tanks too, like the German Leopards and uh, the, the British um, have their, uh, what do they have? What are those things called? The British main battle tanks. Because every nation has a main battle tank these days. The Brits have the... It's not the leopard. It's the challenger. I can't remember. Anyway, uh, so yeah, tank battles are fucking great. Very technical on which ammunition to use, um, to penetrate which armor, where to shoot the tanks. You know, it gets really, really technically specific, and it's 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 just some. It's a lot of fun. Can be very frustrating once you figure the game out. It's really not that frustrating. So I really enjoy it. War Thunder. Free to play. You don't even have to spend a dime. You can just jump into a little a little 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 pea shooter airplane, and start flying around. And if you do decide to support Gaijin and their their video game, that'd be really cool too. I'm sure that they would really enjoy that. <laughs> They'd appreciate your money. The game's cool. You, you'd probably if you if you like those things that I said, definitely give it a try. If you have virtual reality, definitely grab a joystick, give it a try. Fly a super saber, fly a Meg, shoot people down in virtual reality. It'll change your life. Okay. That is my spiel about War Thunder. If you'd like me to dig in deeper on that sometime, I will. But uh, other than that, just go give it a Google, War Thunder Gaijin. It's available online. Uh, I think you can play it on Xbox, PlayStation, and PC. So there you go. Go get War Thunder. Okay, on to the next topic. Today, uh, talking about Stranger Things, a TV show on Netflix. Oh, fuck, that's good. Um, what is... Stranger Things. Okay. Uh, at this point, I, I'm I'm just gonna go ahead and say that there will be spoilers for Stranger Things. If you if you haven't seen it yet, it's a show on Netflix. It's fucking incredible. You should go watch it. It's science fiction. It's '80s nostalgia. It's incredible. 
Okay, so those are for the people. That's for the people who haven't seen it. 80s nostalgia, science fiction, kind of horror, very well acted, very well written. Go fucking watch it. Okay, after this, full spoilers lie ahead. All right, Stranger Things. Why do I love Stranger Things? Um, Stranger Things is like a TV show someone made just for me, I feel like. I imagine most people that watch it probably feel very similarly because the creators of the show nailed uh, a, a type of TV show in a genre that is perfect for the millennial crowd um, because millennials, our generation has become, well, I guess maybe like, not just millennials, but but a lot of the the previous generations too, because of the rise of science fiction in popular culture and entertainment since like Star Wars. So probably the generations you know that were first exposed to Star Wars and then lived through the eighties. But then also people like me, millennials, eat Stranger Things up because we grew up with science fiction stuff being very mainstream and popular. We grew up in the eighties. We experienced some of the eighties and the, the late eighties. And we, we, we know that stuff, right? And so this TV show, I remember Netflix is funny. They don't, sometimes they do, they, they used to be really bad about their marketing campaigns. And I hadn't really heard a whole lot about this TV show. I hadn't really seen anything about it. And then someone was like, dude, you got to watch this TV show, Stranger Things on Netflix. And I, was, I, I don't think I even had Netflix at the time. I've been keeping Netflix for oh, the last like four years now. I've, I've, I've never gotten rid of my subscription because there's so much shit on Netflix to watch. But Back then, I didn't really have it. Well, they were, I either did or I had, I had canceled it and hadn't turned it back on. Anyway, someone was like, dude, there's a show, Stranger Things, you gotta watch it. I was like, okay, fuck. And so I go and I sit down, and the first episode, there's this little boy. These little boys are playing Dungeons and Dragons in the 80s. And I was like, this is actually kind of cool. Because it, like, really, immediately, from the very beginning, the show grasps and 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 perfectly displays the vibe from 1983 in my opinion like what I would have because I wasn't there for 83 but like it looks exactly like I always imagined 1983 was it was kind of you know post 1970s everything was sort of like you know those drab like tans and beiges and and mint greens (laughs) you know lots of lots of shitty 80s colors and these little dudes are like playing fucking Dungeons and, Drag- Dungeons and Dragons, and then the one little boy like takes off on his bicycle, and he, he something happens, and this thing like he disappears, <laughs> and I was like, "What the fuck did I just watch?" And then the intro, the intro plays, and it's this like crazy intense red lettering. And they're like, they're zoomed in on it. And they're, and I'll be honest with you, like a lot about the show has me hooked. But that fucking intro was one of the first things that ever like really gripped me about Stranger Things was how cool the intro was. And I remember thinking like, this is the coolest fucking intro for a TV show I've ever seen. Second only to Game of Thrones. Right. And so Stranger Things and Game of Thrones are the only two TV shows that when I watch that show, even if I'm binging a season, I have to watch the intro or I'm unsatisfied. If I don't get through the whole Stranger Things intro, I feel like I've gypped myself on that experience. So I always watch the intro, the cool red letters, the the, the sort of synth wave music that they, they use in the background. I listen to a lot of synth wave in my personal life. I love that like 80s electronic stuff because it, it reminds me of a better time. But the whole thing, 
the intro was like that got me that had me and i was like okay now i'm into this show and so it, it as as the episodes go through it was so unique and interesting and kind of mind blowing the story that they developed with you know the the boys they have such buddy chemistry together the little boys in the show have such buddy chemistry you've got dustin who's this kid he's this toothless little toothless goofy kid who's really loud and funny and cusses and he's 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 got so much personality he's kind of he's almost a leader of the group and then there's mike who is uh a more of a dramatic character and then there's their other buddy lucas who is well he's the black kid <laughs> he's the token black kid but he's really funny and silly and has uh you know this like this goofy personality and they they all mesh together really well and they th- through their adventurings and their search for Will who disappears one of their buddies they 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 consider themselves a party like a dungeons and dragons party and through their adventures they're searching for Will this little girl shows up who's been released from a big lab that exists in the town of Hawkins, which is where the show is set, Hawkins, Indiana. And so they meet this little girl, Eleven, and uh, Eleven has telepathy. She has telepathic powers, and she can, like, fuck people up. (laughs) She can squish their brains inside their heads, and she can snap, you know, arms and make people piss themselves. It is, dude, the the first season of Stranger Things was a truly mind-blowing experience. I'd never seen a show quite like it, and it gripped me. And I feel like... Let's see, the first TV show that I ever binged, the whole thing, was Game of Thrones. Season 1 and 2, back in like 2012. I just banged out the whole fucking thing. One sitting. Two days, I think. Uh, Stranger Things was one of the first Netflix... I think it might have been the first Netflix series that I just... Well, no, you know what? No, it's not. The first Netflix series I ever binged was House of Cards with Kevin Spacey before I found out that he was a pervert. And before they killed him off on the TV show. After that, I lost interest in, in, in House of Cards. It was it, Kevin Spacey was a president, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Stranger Things is probably the reason that I have kept my Netflix um, subscription. Because uh, after I saw that show and saw how good it was, that was for me really the beginning of knowing that Netflix makes outstanding television. Because they do. And they've created a bunch of other series since that were very, very good. But Stranger Things was the first one that really gripped me. Um, and it, it, it gripped me because the stylization of that first season was spot on for 1983. The character development for all of the characters in the show has never faltered. And the interaction among the characters, the way that the, the, the boys are buddies, the way that Hopper and, and Joyce, so there's Hopper, he's this older cop guy who's a, uh, an army veteran, served in Vietnam, and um, is now the cop in the town. He's, he's trying to find Will Byers with uh, everybody else. Uh, Joyce Byers is Will's mom, played by, um, oh, Christ on a cracker, what's her fucking name? Winona Ryder. Yeah, Winona Ryder plays Joyce Byer. She's the mom, and she's, like, frantically searching for her son. And she really nails that part, too. Really fucking, like, you can tell that Joyce is really upset. She needs to find her kid. Um, You know, there's, there's, they have chemistry. They interact really well together. But throughout the show, what you come to understand is that this, this lab 
in Hawkins was experimenting with all kinds of crazy sci-fi shit. They opened a goddamn doorway to another universe called the Upside Down. And so there's an evil alien critter in the Upside Down called the the boys in their 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 party, their uh fucking <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons party. They name the creature the Demogorgon, which is a, a a bad guy from Dungeons and Dragons. And so the Demogorgon comes from the Upside Down and you know, it just it gets fucking crazy. It's wild. They eventually there's a huge showdown battle um, at the the Hawkins facility, and a bunch of people die. Or actually, it's at their fucking school. That's right. But so it's it's just the whole thing. The whole first season was amazing, and it introduced all these really interesting characters. These little kids doing all this crazy shit, and there's crazy Demogorgon and aliens running around fucking eating people. And then there's super pretty Nancy, who's uh, Mike's older sister. He's got a jawline you could chisel diamonds with. Uh, fucking, there's there's just a lot of characters, and they're all really well played. They're all really well written, and it it it, it was a perfect like amalgamation of buddy chemistry. Uh, you know, sort of childhood nostalgic throwback, science fiction horror elements, action elements, and uh, you know that eighties nostalgia, and it just it fucking it. It, it perfectly meshed into a great eight-episode TV show. And so uh, I was hooked. The second season came out, and it was as good, maybe better than the first. And the second season really expanded on the scope of the Upside Down. And now you had a bigger monster. And poor Will Byers, who was captured and taken into the Upside Down, is now, like, carrying around pieces of the Upside Down with him. And he's now, like... Affect, afflicted by the upside down and he's become this like spy creature uh, in our world for what they eventually named the mind flayer and the mind flayer is like the party the boys once again they're naming you know these evil uh, science fiction creatures uh, from their Dungeons and Dragons book and they call them the big bad of the second season the mind flayer he's like this huge fucked up crazy critter in the upside down this like giant he looks like a ghost. He looks like a, a smoke monster that's trying to consume our world and kill everybody in it. And so little, poor little fucking Will Byers is, is basically his like little plaything in the second season. They also, in the second season, all the main characters are back and Joyce has a love interest. Um, his name is Bob. <laughs> Bob the Builder. No, his name is Bob, Bob, uh, Bob Newbie. And he's played by... Sean Asden, the guy who played Samwise Gamgee in Lord of the Rings, is Joyce's chubby little love interest. He's a real sweetheart. He's a nerd, huge nerd. But uh, in the second season, um, you see uh, some more romance between... Um, so in the first season, there was two characters, Jonathan and, and Nancy, who are like definitely got a thing for each other. But Nancy's dating this guy, Steve. Steve is like the typical 80s douche with the really pretty hair and he's really popular in high school and you know Steve is 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 a disliked character in a lot of ways in the first season but you know kind of proves himself worthy as a person and and, and helps them um defeat the demogorgon in the end. So Steve actually turns out to be pretty cool even though he's a douche, but in the second season uh uh Steve and Nancy, the girl with the really crazy jawline, they break up. And so her and Jonathan end up together. But Steve is left alone. Oh, poor Steve. Well, Steve gets picked up by Dustin, who's the goofy little kid without the teeth, to fucking fight these new demog demog demogorgon demodog 
<laughs> fucking critters. Anyway, Steve is awesome in the second season. I I became a huge fan of Steve in the second season, and there was a huge internet like wave of memes and jokes about how Steve had become like the daddy of the party for uh you know Justin and Lucas and Mike and Will and it's true like he really does play this like parental role where he's looking after them and there's several like battles with demodogs cuz there's a new enemy that isn't the exact demogorgon it's more like uh, a dog like creature but it looks like the demogorgon so they call him demodogs and so Steve like bat he he takes that f- this fucking he, he has a baseball bat and like the first two seasons and he uses it to great effect to defend the children. And he's just beating these goddamn demogorgons and demodogs with his baseball bat. It's got nails in it. It's awesome. Steve's a great character. But so that's but the point that I'm trying to make with all that is that the characters are the reason you love the show. The way that they interact, especially in the second season. And they inter- they introduce some new characters like Billy. Billy is a great character throughout his entire appearance in the show. And like in the second season, Billy is this like douche eighties asshole who fucking, um, he's got like the typical, like Judas priest earring (laughs) and he's fucking, he's, he's, he's a doofus typical, like hot guy eighties dude. He like drinks beer and works out at the same time. He's got like the big, pretty hair and all the girls are like hot for him. And he takes over Steve's place as the king of the high school. And he drives a fucking like Camaro and he's an asshole to his sister. Who's an, who's another new character. His sister's another new character. Her name is max mad max Maxine. And she's just a like redhead firecracker that, that teams up with the, the boys, um, and, and their dungeons and dragon party. And she turns out to be like a little badass. And so all these these new characters come into play, but they're seamless. There was, there was a really great introduction of all of these characters. And they perform their parts and, and play their parts in the, in the show perfectly. And in the second season, Eleven, the little girl with all the telepathy, we get more of a background on her. About her mom, about her origins, why she is the way she is, where she got her powers. And the fact that there are other people out there like her as created by this Hawkins lab that went out and fucked around with shit they shouldn't have. And uh, it really, it, it the second season broadened the scope of the show, it broadened the background of the show, it increased the character count, and it, it just got crazier. The, the, the enemies were bigger, and there is a final showdown with, you know, um, a huge pile of these, these demodog creatures and the mind flayer trying to stop us from closing the gate so that he can come into our world and destroy it. And uh, Eleven uses her superpowers to close the gate and then, like, finally gets to go and be kind of normal because she's been not normal throughout the whole first season. She's been not normal throughout the whole second season. She's been waging war against these Demogorgon things. And, you know, she's not a kid. She's not getting to live a normal life. What's interesting about the second season was the relationship that they developed between Eleven and Hopper. Hopper being that police officer character from the first show, first up, first season, he is the one who, in the second season, like takes in Eleven, the girl with the powers, and she kind of becomes his, his like adopted daughter. He had a daughter in the first season that had died much before the season even starts, right? Um, but they develop this really intense connection and emotional interaction, and it's really well played out. He has her in in. Uh, a cabin in the woods. He's trying to keep her secret, keep her safe, so that the the evil dudes from the Hawkins lab won't find her. And you know she's rebelling against him because she's coming into her teen years. And 
she really wants to see Mike. Mike is her love interest. They were very close in the first season. Now she like she's dying to see him again in the second season. And it all leads up to everybody's reunion right at the end before the main big battle. And, you know, Hopper and Eleven have their differences, but they make up because one of the main themes throughout the show is the power of love and how these characters all truly love each other, the ones that are close, and how they always come back to one another despite their arguments. They work shit out. Um, even the kids have arguments in the show that are more adult than most arguments I've had as a grown-up. It's, 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 it's a nice... <laughs> it's a nice statement about the relationships that we have and the way that we interact with people and how we're supposed to resolve our differences. But anyway, Eleven closes the gate at the end of the second season. Hopper and her are together. Hopper arranges for her to go to the prom so that she can be like a normal kid for a night. And then there's this really beautiful closeout of the second season where they're all at this dance. And like Daddy Steve, he sees Nancy who broke up with him and hurt him. Mm. And, uh, you know... Um, he teaches Dustin how to make his hair really nice. It was just great. It was so nostalgic and happy. It had it. poor Bob Newby, Sean Asin's character does get eaten. <laughs> he gets chewed up by the goddamn demo dogs. Sorry about that, Bob. Sorry about that, Mister Newby. Uh, that was sad. So you know, like every TV show, it has its ups and downs. But season two ends on a high note. It was really nice. And uh, you see Justin and uh, or I'm not th- not Justin, Jonathan and Nancy get together. But but during that sequence, season two introduces this really funny guy who's like a conspiracy theorist investigator dude who uh, plays a huge role in the third season. And he's the one who like t- convinces Jonathan and Nancy to get past their bullshit and, and fuck each other <laughs> in this really great scene where he just breaks down their relationship and it's so it was perfect that that dude I can't remember hold on let me google real quick I want to know his name uh Murray Bowman Murray Bowman Murray Bowman yeah he's this like crazy investigator conspiracy guy and he he's 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 really charismatic and funny and he talks the uh Jonathan and Nancy into banging and she dumps Steve and poor Steve but anyway it was great the second season was great a lot of great new characters a lot of great interactions Bob Newby dies. Sorry about that, Sean. And, uh, you know, it closes out with the prom. Real happy. Eleven gets to meet her other sister and see her powers. She has the, the ability to, like, fuck with people's minds. But that was a really interesting piece because Eleven's lab sister wants to kill all the people responsible and Eleven won't do it. And so we find out that Eleven's actually a good person. So that was good. But the show continues on into season three, and that just dropped. Season three just came out on July 4th of this year. And I. Watched it all in one day. <laughs> I banged out the whole third season in one sitting. I'm pretty sure I did that for the second season too. But I watched the whole thir- third season the other day. And it was fucking awesome. The first thing that stands out to me about the third season of Stranger Things is how they capture that 1985 pop culture rise. If you go back and look at the 80s, there was this explosion of popular culture in the early to mid 80s and 85 was really when it started to like pick up speed and that's when you see all of those like sort of jagged edges in design a lot of flashy colors a lot of clothes that were ridiculous music that was really poppy like madonna the rise of popular culture films like back to the future which is it makes an appearance in the show it was just it was really like the pop hip time to to 1985 and stranger things nails it fucking nails the vibe 
Loved it. Introduction of new characters. We find that our current characters are getting older. All the kids are looking older because they're in puberty now. <laughs> or they're going through it or they've gone through it. So they all look taller and bigger. It was like the last season they looked like nine and now they look like fucking 16 and it's weird. And we don't know how to deal with it. Um, uh, you know, they bring back Billy, the typical douche asshole. You've got, you've got Steve is back. His hair is as big as ever, except Steve is kind of sort of frumped in his his career like he graduated high school and instead of going off to college now he's still in Hawkins but he's working at a at an ice cream shop <laughs> with this really cute girl who is played by Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawke's daughter I can't remember her name I think it's like Mora Hawk or something Mariah Hawk I can't remember anyway their daughter is in the show she's fucking incredible she has huge chemistry with uh Steve and and the premise of 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 season three is the mind flayer has found a way to get back into Hawkins, and he's um, okay. I, I I don't think I have to remind you of this, but these are fucking full spoilers ahead for season three if you haven't watched it. Holy shit! Can't believe I have to say that again. Uh, the mind flayer has found a way to get back into Hawkins, and he's 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 flaying people in Hawkins. And so he's taking control of them and using them to make a, a mind flayer monster in Hawkins. And, and, and initially he makes the bulk of his monstrosity with rats. That was a really loud truck just passed with dead rats. But, but then later on in the season, he like, like the people that are controlled by the mind flayer are like melted and become part of the mind flayer. It's so gross and cool. Um, the special effects for that for season three were really really good. A lot, there was some there was some much more like violent horror uh, uh, elements as the mind flayer's monster is chasing Nancy and Jonathan through the hospital. But anyway, <clears throat> the premise of season three: the mind flayer's back. He's got a monster in Hawkins. The Russians have somehow infiltrated Hawkins and created their own lab under a strip mall. And how hilarious is that? They built a strip mall in Hawkins to serve as a screen for their fucking lab under the city of Hawkins. Magnificently done, Stranger Things. It's so cheesy, it's perfect. And it's so 80s, it makes absolute sense. You just get it, right? The strip mall. And they really, the strip mall, the the big mall that they, they open in Hawkins becomes like the centerpiece of the whole show, of the whole season. And it's really good. They really nail it. And, uh... You know, Steve works in the mall. The kids are, like, traveling around in the mall. So then another funny piece of season three is Mike and Eleven's relationship has developed. They're now, like, full tilt dating. And Mike is always over at Hopper and Eleven's house. And he's sucking face with Eleven. And Hopper can't fucking take it. He's going crazy because he can't deal with these teenagers. And Mike is being a disrespectful little shit. And fucking Hopper puts an end to that. Most Ricky Tick. But uh, out of that comes some really funny dynamics between... Mike and Eleven in their like teenage relationship and and um uh fucking Maxine becomes Eleven's Mad Max becomes Eleven's like best friend and they go on this like hilarious 80s shopping spree in the mall and they're like laughing and having having a really good time too. girls just wanna have fun oh, and it was perfect it was, it was just it was so silly and cheesy it was perfect but uh Max is like talking to Eleven I one of the, one of my favorite lines in the whole season Max is like talking to Eleven and she's like, you got to fucking like tell him what to do and tell him to stop lying. And if he doesn't, then you dump his ass. And so like later on in the season, Eleven gets mad at Mike and walks up to him and goes, I dump your ass and turns around and walks away. It was hysterical because poor, poor Eleven doesn't like quite understand how to use words properly. And she just goofs it. 
Oh god, so funny. But anyway, the sh- there's new characters in the show. There's there's that Uma Thurman, Ethan Hawke daughter. <laughs> I can't remember her fucking name, but she's her, her name in the show is Robin. She works with with Steve and uh Dustin and Steve are trying to crack this Russian code and so then this Robin character comes in and, and uh, it's revealed later that she's a lesbian but I think she's going to turn out to be Steve's love interest in later seasons. I think that's going to that's going to blossom and develop I think because of the way she says certain things at the end of the season. But anyway, they have their thing. They're really really good together. Uh Lucas's little sister Lucas, the black kid, <laughs> token black guy, has a, a little sister, and her name is Erica. And in the first season or second season, she's just annoying. In the third season, she has a huge role, and she 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 gets in with Steve and Robin as they go down and infiltrate this Russian base. And little Erica turns out to be a complete badass and a perfectly acted character. She was hilarious throughout the whole thing. It was super great. But uh, uh, she was kind of newish and the way that she interacted with everybody. Uh, that Maury Bowman character is back. I loved him throughout the whole thing. He's so funny. He's such an asshole. Uh, he's he's just this, like, grimy, kind of, like, hippie-looking... Well, he's not really hippie, more like hairy, goofy dude that drinks. And what's really funny is they capture this one Soviet scientist named Alexei who, like... To negotiate with him to spill the beans, he wants a cherry slushy, and 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 Hopper only gets him a strawberry slushy, and that's bad, and so they have a fight over that, but then eventually he caves in because Alexei knows that the the Russian scientist's name is Alexei. He knows that he's got nowhere else to go. The Russians will kill him. So, you know, it, it, long story. <laughs> I can't tell you the whole fucking season in one sitting, but it, Alexei turns out to be one of my favorite characters because he's just this like naive young Russian scientist dude that just wants to like take part in all the all the fun of being American and uh he meets a very sad and unfortunate end and it was really that was for me one of the most emotional scenes in the whole show was when they killed poor fucking Alexi like god damn dude oh that made me so sad and 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 Maury was there to see it he was like oh no he was really sad but you know the season progresses they fight the fucking mind flayer in the mall at the same time they're trying to destroy the Russian machine that's opening the portal to the upside down. There's this whole hilarious scene where Steve and Robin are are drugged out of their, their fucking minds down in the Russian base and Dustin's trying to save them. It is so good. Steve and Robin on drugs was probably my favorite part of season three. I loved it. It was hilarious. They were so silly. Uh, Eleven throughout season three is battling with her powers because they're, they're not proving, they're proving not to be as effective as she would have hoped. And eventually in the end, she loses them. Right. And so then her, her relationship with Mike is on the ropes, but she becomes best friend with Max. And that's super funny. Dustin's got this, uh, girlfriend in Salt Lake city, Utah, and he builds this big radio to communicate with her. That's how they intercept the Russian transmission. That led to one of the best scenes in season three was when right in the end of, of, uh, of the final episode, right in the middle of it, Dustin and his little girlfriend sing the theme song from the never ending story. And it is fucking hilarious. Turn around. Look at what you see. It's fucking hysterical and they're like dancing together and and everybody's listening to it on the radio comms in the middle of this like battle 
uh, where the fucking mind flayer monster is chasing everybody in a car. The Russians fucking Hopper and Joyce are down in the lab and they're trying to fucking like kill the Russian lab. But you're having to listen to these children sing this goddamn song. It is fucking hysterical. Some people thought it was out of place. I thought it was perfect. Speaking of Joyce and Hopper, they're developing a budding romance. And it was it was it was perfectly played out, although kind of kind of forced at first, like you saw it coming. Hopper wasn't really himself this season. It felt a little different. He was a little more funny and a little more stressed out than he, he had been in previous seasons, but it, it worked out enough in the end. Anyway, um third season was very big, very extravagant, lots of action, lots of crazy <clears throat> excuse me. Lots of crazy fights. Mm. I just needed more bourbon. Lots of uh, lots of crazy like battles with the the mind flayers monster and everything. Um, the action was really well done actually. Uh, the 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 character interactions are perfect. The ending, the finale. Jim Hopper battles giant Russian Arnold Schwarzenegger type, who'd been a pain in the ass throughout the whole season. Oh, by the way, so there is this giant Russian Arnold Schwarzenegger looking motherfucker throughout the whole season. And he he says a line in the in the show in seasons three that really blew my mind. It was a it was a throwback to Die Hard. And there's a scene where Hopper is he's like trying to kill this dude. He's got a gun pointed to the back of Russian Arnold Schwarzenegger's head. And he says, if you move, I'll fucking shoot you. And the Russian guy goes, No, you won't. You are a policeman. There are rules for policemen. And that's a line from back or Die Hard. That's a line from Die Hard. <laughs> Except in Die Hard, Bruce Willis says, yeah, that's what my captain keeps telling me. And then he pops a guy in the back of the head. Well, Hopper actually fires a fucking gun, but the Russian dude dodged it. Crazy, because he's like a badass. That's where they capture Alexei, the poor Russian, the naive Russian guy. Uh, let's see. So the, the, the big bad Russian guy, he meets a really gory end near the end. Another character that had a really interesting arc throughout season three was Billy. The douchey 80s guy. He had this really interesting character arc because he was a total asshole in season two, irredeemable asshole. And in the second season, it starts out, he's just like the hot, uh, Baywatch fucking lifeguard pool, lifeguard guy that everybody wants to bang. But he be quickly becomes one of the mind flayers, um, flayed. He's, he's one of the bad guys. And so then he's a bad guy basically throughout the rest of the show. But at one point in the series, Eleven sits down and does her thing where she can, like, go into the Upside Down and find people. She has that power. She can, like, if she puts herself in sensory deprivation, she can find people. And so she finds Billy, and she goes into his past and sees his past. And it was really touching because Billy's such a tortured soul. His father's a son of a bitch. You see that in in the second season. He abuses him. He beats him. He calls him a pussy and a faggot and all this shit. It's really, really bad. And so in in the third season, Eleven goes into Billy's past and sees this one beautiful moment where he's at the beach and he's surfing and he's with his pretty mom and he had a nice day at the beach. And it was a really interesting commentary about how deeply effective our childhoods can be to who the person, the people that we become as adults are. And so with um, Billy, he was abused and treated poorly by his father and that evaporated all that stuff that made him such a nice boy when he was younger sweet boy he grew up to be a complete asshole because he was so fucking abused by his own father and so that plays out pretty heavily in season three and then at the end of his character arc eleven uses that beautiful memory to get back through him so that he saves her 
and uh, his sister Maxine right before they finally defeat the Mind Flayer. Um, all in all, season three was deeply emotional in a lot of ways. At the very end, we see what we perceive as Hopper sacrifice himself and Joyce blows up the machine that the Russians were using to keep the gate open. Uh, I don't think Hopper's dead. I don't think Hopper's dead. Um, I We didn't see him die on screen, and that's a, that's a classic movie trope, TV trope. If they don't die on screen, they're not dead. And so what I think happened was he jumped through the gate, and there's even a post-credit screen or scene where uh, you see in Russia... Uh, they they this guy walks through a prison and he's like get get me one no not the American, <laughs> you know and so they grab another guy instead of the American and they drag this dude into a pit and then a demogorgon eats him, um so Hopper's alive in my opinion but we do perceive that he has died, and there was a scene earlier in the series or in that season where he wrote a letter to Eleven and there's this big emotional scene at the end where Eleven reads the letter. Uh, and you hear uh, Hopper say the words of the letter out loud, and it's just fucking, it was so much. I, after everything that I had been through emotionally with the loss of my friend, um, I, I, I saw that scene and I just waterworks and cried my eyes out. So very emotional scene, lots of really good character interactions, lots of action, lots of uh, uh, development with, you know, not only the, the upside down and the mind flayer's powers, but you know, everybody's um, interaction with each other and Eleven's powers, they're now gone. She's got to get him back somehow. Uh, you know, development of, of Dustin's little relationship with his girlfriend was hilarious. Steve and Robin were really funny and Erica. Um, Nancy and Jonathan, they had they had a really good part. They worked at this uh, newspaper and it was it was that was an interesting social commentary on sexism in the workplace. Um, but they weren't they weren't hugely centerpiece this season. They did have central roles, but uh, you know, it it was it was pretty well done. M- Murray and uh, Alexi was like probably one of my favorite things about season three because all he wanted to do was get the kids some corn dogs and let them play some American uh, fun fair games, and it was just really sad how that ended. Joyce and Hopper, you know, they had their thing going on. Um, the 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 interactions between the the boys and the girls that were dating, like Mike and Eleven and Lucas and Maxine, that shit was funny. You know, so all in all, great season. Third season was awesome. Lots of nostalgia. Lots of, like, mid-80s nostalgia. Lots of funny scenes. A lot of sad scenes. A lot of exciting scenes. Great season. All in all, Stranger Things, definitely, absolutely one of my favorite TV shows of all time. Not just now, but of all time. It's a, it's a fucking great show. Lots of good 80s nostalgia. Lots of good characters. Well-acted characters. Lots of really interesting science fiction and horror plot. You know, it's just it's just super well put together. And uh, if you listen to all that, you haven't watched it yet. <laughs> well, I've spoiled the whole thing for you, but you should go back and watch it anyway. If you have watched it, let me know what you think about my, my review of the show and most recently season three. Uh, let me know what you think about the podcast. Give me some feedback. Feedback, as always, is appreciated. Um, thanks again for listening. Today I discussed War Thunder. You should definitely play War Thunder because you get to shoot down fighter jets in virtual reality. You should definitely watch Stranger Things because it's hugely popular. Everybody loves it, myself included. It's an awesome TV show. And uh, you should continue listening to Pour Me Another, a podcast brought to you by a veteran in a closet, a pilot veteran crazy person who drinks too much bourbon in a closet in Virginia. So once again, thanks for listening. Thanks for the support. Thanks for the feedback. Um, you know, I, I really appreciate it. It's been fun. I'm sorry I've been absent. I'm sorry my episodes haven't been up to snuff lately. I've been going through a lot. But thanks for listening, and I hope everybody listening has a fantastic week. <laughs> <laughs>